things Oh Lord, we cast down our idols So give us clean hands Give us pure hearts Let us not lift our souls to another Give us clean hands Give us pure hearts let us not lift our souls to another And oh God, let us be a generation that seeks Who seeks your face, oh God of Jacob Oh God, let us be a generation that seeks Who seeks your face, oh God we bow our hearts, we bend our knees Oh Spirit, come make us humble We turn our eyes from evil things Good morning. Good morning. How are you guys? Everybody good? Well, happy Palm Sunday to you all. Let's all stand and we will begin worship.
done, guys. How awesome is it to see our kids come in and worship Jesus, right? Start them when they're little so they know who he is. Would everybody just turn and just say good morning to someone? Tell them that you love them. Say good morning. If they're new, welcome them in.
welcome Jesus in here today. Holy Spirit, we thank you for being here waiting on us. We thank you that you met everybody at the door, and that as they came in, you blessed them. And Lord, I just pray that you feel welcome here this morning. We ask your spirit to come and fill this place, settle our hearts down, settle our minds down, and get us focused in on where we need to be. Lord, I just pray that we will just breathe you in this morning, that your living water will run through us when Pastor Matt preaches. And Lord, we'll just set everything aside that's distracting us. I just pray that you'll protect this place, Lord, that you'll just put angels all the way around the inside and the outside of this building and just completely keep it to where it's just you and us. We love you, Father, and thank you for loving us so much. We thank you for this upcoming week. I pray that we will not be too busy to remember what you went through as the week begins. Lord, you gave us a way with your son. And Jesus, you made the way by giving it all up for us. Thank you for that. So, Lord, as we continue to worship you, pray, Lord, that these words that just come out of us will bless you. And then you look down at your kids and smile. We love you. We just pray that you fill this place now in Jesus' name. Mountains are still being moved. Strongholds are still God, we believe, yes, we can see that wonders are still what you do. We are Thank mm-hmm. you. 
taken care of us, Lord. Thank you that we can be vulnerable with you. We can pour out ourselves because you already know it all. Lord, I just pray that we won't hinder ourselves toward you, that we'll just open ourselves up and let you start tilling those parts of our hearts that, that need to be given over to you. Lord, I ask you to fill this place now, and I ask you, Jesus, to anoint Pastor Matt as he brings your word, as he gets ready to come out and, and deliver that to us, Lord. It's such an honor to be able to sit in your presence, to quiet our spirits, just sit with us and hold us and just let us know how much you are right there, how much you love us, and how free we are to love you back. Love you, Lord. Thank you for this day and this church family. And we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, church. I'm going to say it. I love you. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe. Those are very significant words. Those are words that precede so many prayers. What's really significant about those is... This is an anniversary, and those words would have been heard spoken by our Messiah just a few thousand years ago. He would have spoken them last night, right before he blessed the bread, right before he blessed the wine. You're wondering, you're probably like, wait wait a second, that, doing the math in my head, the calendars, that, that doesn't add up. That doesn't make sense. Like next weekend's Easter, right? Well, there are two calendars that we're, we're going off of. So the, the ancient calendars back in B.C., they used the sun and the moon for their various calendars because they could be easily tracked. So that was the, the Hebrew calendar at the time that uh, the Israelites used. And so they celebrated their holidays according to those calendars. So today, actually as of last night, would be Passover. It would be the start of that celebration, and then tonight would begin the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. And so what's really significant about right now, if we were to go off of that calendar, at this very moment, the Israelites would be traveling to Sukkoth, leaving Egypt. They'd be, they are being delivered by the Lord. All right? It was a promise that he had made to them to save them. And so this day would have been celebrated by our Messiah, whose name means God saves, Yeshua, Jesus. So this is a very special day, and I just would like you all to just contemplate on that, think of it, and what it really means. So just glad you're here, glad we can celebrate this day. And then, um, as you know, with the new calendar, right, we, we, we have a little more advanced calendar. We don't need the moon and the sun and the rotation, so we don't longer have to have an extra month every year to catch up to it. So 
we have set a date, so that new date now is, is going to be next weekend, right? And that's what we celebrate, so it's at the same time every year. And so with that, we, we have a lot coming up this week. It's a busy time, right? So this, this Wednesday, you know, every Wednesday, we do have prayer service at 6.30 p.m. And we also have a new prayer submission page. So if you go to our website and you look at the top, you'll see these links, and one says prayer. So if you have a special prayer that you'd like to submit, go on our website, put it up there, send it out, and uh, we'll pray about it on Wednesday nights here. Uh, this Friday at 6.30 p.m., we have Good Friday service right here. We also have an Easter egg hunt on Saturday. It's at 10 a.m. I think, Mackenzie, do you still need people to help out with that? We do. So if you'd like to help out with the uh, Easter egg hunt on Saturday morning at 10 a.m., uh, there's a sign-up sheet out there. You can speak with Miss McKenzie and do that. And then Easter service, we have two now. Uh, we're going to have one at 9 o'clock and one at 10.30, and that's just to allow space. As you can see, we're full, and this is kind of a, yeah, it's a bit of a holiday, but it's also somewhat normal, and it's going to be our new normal. And so we're going to break up the service to allow extra seats and extra room. So if you're a regular, I'd ask that you come at 9.00. And then at uh, 10.30, hopefully we'll have some seats for those that would like to come here for the holiday. So if you just help out with that, that'd be wonderful. Uh, we have a video. Kids, Super Bunny here. I am superly excited to tell you about our Easter egg hunt that's coming up on Saturday, April 3rd at 10 a.m. Everything is going to be outside, so you'll want to make sure and dress whatever kind of weather Colorado's going to be giving us that day. Also, for you amazing super volunteers out there, we have some sign-up sheets out in the lobby where you can help out that day. You can give candy and or prizes for the kids to be able to get. So WLC Kids, it's time to get superly prepared for an amazing Easter egg hunt. So make sure and warm up because we're gonna get together on April 3rd at 10 a.m. Thanks. Can we get the ushers up here, please? All right, so we'll go ahead and pray over the ushers and the tithes and offerings. Right. Father, we thank you for this day, for your blessings, for the wonderful gifts that you give us, the joy that you bring us in our lives, Father. We ask that you accept our offerings and our tithes as our gratitude and thankfulness for all that you do, Lord. We love you and we thank you for everything, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Church, it's good to see you all here today on this Palm Sunday. What a beautiful day it is, and, and in many ways, beautiful outside, but also beautiful here on the inside as we worship the Lord, come together 
give him his rightful place in our hearts and kind of come into alignment. Sometimes we need that in our walk and in our journey. Today we continue to journey with Jesus as we're journeying with him on the way to the cross. And so this morning I would ask that you would uh, turn in to John chapter 12 in your Bibles or look that up on your phone wherever you find yourself uh, or whatever you're using, your tablet. Um, but uh, today we're going to be in John chapter 12 as we continue to journey with Jesus. Let's, uh, let's begin with a word of prayer together. Lord, today we thank you for this, this day, for your love and for your grace. We thank you, God, that you are in charge even in this moment. And we ask, Lord, that you would come this morning, speak to us, I pray, and I pray, God, that you will use me as your vessel. Give me words, God, that are beyond myself. I pray, Lord, that you will uh, just, uh, just speak to our hearts, Lord, through the power of your Holy Spirit. We just ask your Holy Spirit's presence to just enter in right now. Come cover us. Give us perspective, God, that only can come from a heavenly region, from you, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, today, we again, we begin in John chapter 12. And I, I, I well, as I've approached Palm Sunday, this day, I, this is, I think, the 22nd Palm Sunday sermon that I've given. And I thought, you know, as I'm giving this sermon, uh, what are we... Uh, you know, what can we do a little bit different? Some people are like, oh, you know, pastor, just use some of the stuff that you've done before. Nobody here is going to know, you know. But I'm like, I want something new. I want something fresh. I preach from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John when it's come to Palm Sunday. God, would you give me something new and something fresh this year? And so today, as I'm looking at that, I'm thinking, as we think about Palm Sunday, which really is about uh, Passover in, in many ways, and as we're looking with Jesus as he is journeying towards the cross, I have to ask myself today, as I was going through Scripture, am I a fan of Jesus, or am I a follower of Jesus? Am I a fan of Jesus, or am I a follower of Jesus. And we're going to see some uh, just uh, kind of distinct differences between some characters as we go through John chapter 12. And you're going to see the differences between what it looks like to be a fan or a follower of Jesus Christ. And today as we begin in verse 1 of chapter 12, it says there that six days before the Passover, and by the way, I just want you to just, I'm just going to stop there for a moment. Keep that in the back of your mind. Six days before the Passover, because these dates are very significant. You're going to find out why in just a little bit. But six days, it says, before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived. You remember about him from last week? This is the one Jesus had raised from the dead. Here... A dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. And then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it out on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. We, we've gone from where Lazarus has been raised from the dead... Jesus was gone for a bit. He came back to Bethany. 
As he came back, things were more normal. The type of things that we've seen happening in the life of of Mary and Martha as Jesus would normally pass by. Last week, they held him out, you know, kind of at the gate. Uh, Jesus, why weren't you here? But this week, in chapter 12, things are different. He's in the house. Martha's back in the kitchen where she normally found herself. She enjoys cooking. She's preparing and serving the dinner. And here comes Mary. And Mary, you know, if you, if you, if you caught on, as you've read through Scripture, she often has a, an interesting way. I mean, there was a whole fight between Mary and Martha before, you know, because Mary's always, you know, just kind of at Jesus' feet. Kind of seems aloof, you know, doing her own thing. And Martha's like, she's the one who's rigid, kind of the bean counter of the, of the two. And she's like, why aren't you helping me? You know, well, I'm listening to Jesus. Uh, well, once again... Here goes Mary. And she does something at first blush that we would probably think, man, this seems really odd. Why would she do this? Why? I mean, this is kind of a weird. You know, she's pouring this perfume on Jesus' feet. She's washing his feet with her hair. One of the other gospels says she was even wept, you know, as she was doing this. Her tears were flowing down to his feet. And in the midst of it, if you were thinking to yourself, well, I don't really quite get what is going on here. Why, why is this happening? Why is Mary doing this? Well, you're not the only one. You're in, well, I started to say good company, but you're in company. <laughs> because Judas wondered the same thing. <laughs> it, was, it, it says in verse 4, it says, but one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Isn't that interesting? Judas was speaking up. You don't hear very often of Judas speaking up until kind of later in this journey with Jesus very often. But, but here he did. He had spoke up. Why wasn't this perfume, he says in verse 5, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. Well, that sounds really spiritual, doesn't it? I mean, we could have done so much with that money. We could have, we could have served the poor. We could, have, we could have given to this effort. We could have done this thing. We, we, there's so much we could have done with this. She's just pouring it on Jesus' feet. What is she thinking? Well, we get a little bit of an insight of what Judas is thinking because it says in the next verse, he did not say this because he cared about the poor. but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. I mean, here, here was, you know, sometimes people have such a good way of putting up a good front, right? Man, I'm, you know, they just seem so spiritual. And yet behind, you know, the facade, you get behind the veneer and you're like, oh man, I, I wasn't expecting that. I mean, what Judas said sounded so good, but I wasn't expecting that. He, he really was just in it for himself. He was just thinking about himself. He, wasn't, he didn't care about what's happening right there between Mary and Jesus. He was just in it for what he could get out of it. And so we look at this, and we're seeing these, this paradox, so to speak, this, this, this idea of what looks like true worship and what is true worship. 
And I want to just challenge you by saying today, real worship is not measured. It's not measured by a percentage of what you have that you give. It's not measured by a percentage of your life. It's not measured by a percentage of your service. Worship is an opportunity for you to show God how much you value Him. Nothing more, but nothing less. It sounds so simple. It sounds maybe trite to you, but here's the thing. Worship is you surrendering and yielding everything to Jesus. So Mary here, as we begin this portion of Scripture, she begs the question, what is Jesus worth to you? What is Jesus worth to you? We have this, this thing going on here that's happening with, with Mary, and, 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 and it's very clear, you know, Judas, he's good with numbers, right? I mean, he's got it right down. That perfume is worth normally worth a person's year's wages. Could you imagine right now if someone just dropped a year's wages, you know, in the offering plate? Yeah, that would just be amazing. And, and, and you may say, oh, I, I not only would I not do that, I just couldn't do that. But here Mary did that. And she, she was showing something more than just money though she was sharing something more than just about this is this is kind of you know valuable to me so i think i'll just give it over to god no she is sharing with us a statement that we've all heard but maybe we haven't taken to heart like she has and that is this jesus is worthy jesus is worthy I don't care where you come from or where you're going, where you've been, how much you've gone through. Jesus is still worthy of all you are and all you have. And if you haven't gotten to that place in your life, I mean, if you haven't come to down to that experience with him, then I want to tell you, brace yourself because something's going to happen in your life because that's what Jesus specializes in, is shaking us to our core and getting to the heart of what do you believe is worthy of all your attention? Today, you can imagine to yourself, with yourself, I don't know what you make in a year. You know, maybe you make 50,000 or 100,000, 200. I don't know. But imagine just putting that at Jesus' feet. I, I, it, it's not about the money. It's about this. Is Jesus worth that much to you? Is he, is he really worthy of everything? Well, I give him my 10%. Well, that's great. Good. <laughs> Thanks. But is Jesus, he wants everything. Because Jesus is worthy. You see, she's responding to something Judas had not experienced. She's responding to something that Judas had not experienced. Judas knew Jesus. Don't get me wrong. If you ask Judas, what's Jesus' hair color? He could tell you. What's the color of his eyes? He could tell you. What is his wardrobe made up of? You know, I know he, he could tell you what it's made up of. He could probably tell you his favorite food, his, his sermon titles, you know, the miracles that he performed. Jesus, or excuse me, Judas knew Jesus, but Mary is responding to something that Jesus, Judas had not experienced. 
Let me say that again. Mary is responding to something that Judas had not experienced. Uh, you know, with being here nine months and COVID and everything else, I haven't gotten to know everyone here yet. But I'm looking forward to getting to know everyone because every one of you has a story. Every one of us has a story. And it's amazing. Sometimes as I've gone, you know, just shared with people and just hear your story, how God has been with you, some of those things, the tough things you've gone through, some of the major highs that you've been through. It's beautiful. But I don't completely understand because, you see, I may not have experienced everything that you've experienced. My grandfather on my mom's side, his name was Jim Ashley, and, and uh, he wasn't rich, but he had a lot of stuff. My grandpa had tons of stuff. He, he was, he was, you know, had these, you know, these sheds that were just filled. I mean, literally, you open the doors to the shed, and you just open them up, and it's just a wall of stuff. And somehow, in his mind, he knew where it was at. You know, it's back in the back corner. On the, it's back in the back corner of the shed. Open up the doors. Here we go. And eventually, would find it. And sure enough, it was probably about in the same area that he would say. But, but it was stuff that you and I would just say, it's junk. I remember my family kind of complaining, you know, about how much junk he would store in his sheds. And, and my grandmother was like, would you, would you just get rid of that stuff? You're going to die. And next thing you know, I'm not going to have the strength to get all this stuff out of the shed. And, and uh, people would wonder, why does he have that. I wondered, and I was just a kid, why does he have all this stuff? Nails, pipes, tools, and screws, and washers. I mean, everything you can imagine. He, he made me my very first, it was a 20-inch bicycle. And, uh, and it was there at his home that uh, when we were visiting one summer that I learned to ride without uh, training wheels because he had training wheels on to begin with, but he's like, you can do it. You can. And this 20-inch bicycle, it was, it was junk. It was made literally from junk, but I loved it. He, he found the parts out of one of his sheds, you know, and there they were. And then he said, well, I had to go to the junkyard. I had to find these, these wheels, but he had sanded the whole thing down. It was green. I remember kind of a metallic green, white steel rims, and man, I was proud. I just rode that bicycle everywhere. began to realize, because I experienced his love, why he saved all that junk. <laughs> but then I realized a little bit more as I got older, because my grandfather and my grandmother told me about something that I'd never experienced called the Great Depression. And I'm not going to ask for you to raise your hand if you've experienced that, because I, I think only Lori has probably experienced that here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she loves me. She thinks I'm great. She thinks my jokes are so funny all the time. <laughs> uh, no, but he had gone through the Great Depression. He knew hunger. What it meant to owe your soul to the company store. It wasn't just a song. They explained that to me. He remembered when saying, I don't have two cents to rub together, wasn't just an expression. And so he saved everything. You'd pull a nail out of a board, you'd want to just throw it away. Oh, no, don't do that. He'd get that nail, and he would 
straighten it out and put it in a coffee can or a mason jar. I mean, that's just where he was. It was real life, but you see, what he had experienced had shaped him, right? And the things that you have experienced, they've shaped you into a certain type of person. And here we realize with Mary, as we look at Mary, that, man, what she had experienced had shaped her. You see, uh, Mary is responding to something that she experienced that Judas never had. If you were here last week, you remember all of Mary's story. You see, we cannot understand what's happening here in chapter 12 unless we've been with her in chapter 11. Chapter 11 is something that you and I, or in our world, in our culture, we refer to as kind of a financial bankruptcy. And, and since financial bankruptcy you know, that I'm talking about, uh, it, it kind of... You know, kind of correlates here as we're talking about John chapter 11. Because in John chapter 11, that's where we've experienced last week what it meant to go through a spiritual poverty, through spiritual desolation. She, in that book, in that chapter of the book of John, in chapter 11, had no hope. She had no future. She had no life there was the grave, there was death, there was nothing beyond it. She couldn't see beyond that stone that was right there in front of that grave where Lazarus had laid. She couldn't get past the fact that where was Jesus when I needed him? But guess what? Jesus showed up. And when Jesus shows up, you're about to experience something like you've never experienced before. That's right, because Jesus is life. And life came onto the scene. Uh, we will, don't understand chapter 12 until we experience chapter 11. The ones that I've seen who, who love the Jesus the most in their life are the ones who understand the depth of their spiritual need and the depth of their poverty before Jesus came onto the scene. Mary was responding to something that Judas had not experienced. Judas knew Jesus. He knew all about him. But Judas had not experienced Jesus. Do you understand? I could hear him saying, you know, Jesus, yeah. I know Jesus. You know how he is with people. He's always giving people time. He's always spending too much time here. He's always taking us on detours and doing all kinds. Of, he doesn't have a clue about business that Jesus doesn't, but he's good with people. I, we, that's why we have him. You know, he's our leader in that way. Judas could tell you all about who he was. But you see, Judas was a zealot, it says in Scripture. And, and Judas thought he was in a revolutionary war, the beginnings of it, the beginnings of a civil uh, uprising. I mean, he, he had visions of Jesus taking over in ways that would reflect just a complete battle, a literal war to overthrow that government. Some scholars say that maybe that's part of the reason why Judas did what he did when he, he handed over Jesus to the authorities. It wasn't because he was trying to, you know, see Jesus go to a cross. He thought, man, he would force their hand. 
But you see, the deal was is that Judas had his own agenda. He had his own agenda. It wasn't about what he has experienced. It was about him. It wasn't about Jesus. It was about him. The things he knew about Jesus were the things that he thought would help him see his agenda move forward. Judas was in it for himself. He had his personal agenda for Jesus. But Mary, Mary had experienced Jesus, and she knew from a position of great poverty and need how Jesus filled her spiritual need from the inside out. Judas just knew enough about Jesus to be dangerous, but Mary, she knew enough about Jesus to know that he was her deliverer. Mary, we see worshiping in chapter 12, it came about because she had lived chapter 11. This is the one she would say if she were here today. This Jesus, he's the one who raised my brother from the dead. This is the one who heard my cry. This is the one who held my hand as I was walking through one of the worst, darkest days of my life. This is the one who transformed my life. This is the one who is worthy of all of my worship. How's your worship today, church? How's your worship today? Uh, Hosea 6.6. 6. It's a, kind of one of those books that seems obscure to some people, but has an amazing verse in chapter 6, verses 6 there in Hosea. And it says this, and it's a reminder to each one of us. God is saying, even today, I don't want your sacrifices. Wait, wait, you're probably thinking, wait a second. I thought, I thought that, you know, we were supposed to do this. I thought we were supposed to give here and we're supposed to. Don't put the cart before the horse. God is saying, I don't want your sacrifices. I want your love. I don't want your offerings. I want you to know me. And when he says no here, he means like this personal, just, just feeling of, I mean, I've experienced God in my life. I know his transforming power to bring things that were dead back to life. I don't want your sacrifices. God says, I want your love because here's the thing that God knows about us that sometimes we don't realize ourselves. He realizes, you know what? If he has all of our love, then he's got the sacrifice. If he has all of our love, and all, he, he's got all of the offering of our hearts. I'm tired of a culture, even within our churches at times, that says, you know what? If you're just good, then it'll change this world. No, it's a lie. You can't be good enough to change this world. It's not about just being good. It's not about, you know, is God good? Yes, God is good. We all say God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. Amen and amen. We agree with that. But here's something. It's not being good that will transform this world. It's God's love and transforming power that transforms the hearts of men and women that changes this world around us. We need transforming power. Not just good people. We need transformed people. So Jesus, uh, he, he's on the, the edge of just showing us what this transforming power is going to look like here. 
in chapter 12. But before we get there in verse 7, it says, leave, Jesus said, leave her alone. He knew Judas's heart, and he knew Mary's heart. And I want you to know today that Jesus knows your heart. Uh, sometimes we can make dumb mistakes. We can be forgetful. We can, we, we, we're human, you know, we're, we're human. But Jesus knows your heart. He knows your intent. He knows your compass and whether or not it points to him. Leave her alone, Jesus said. He knew Mary's heart. It was intended that she should save the perfume for the day of my burial. And you can just imagine the, the minds of all the disciples were exploding. What are you talking about, your burial? We're, we're on the cusp of some major things here. You will always have the poor among you, Jesus said, but you will not always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jesus, or excuse me, Jews uh, found out that Jesus was there and came not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priest made plans to kill. This is verse 10. They made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. I mean, can you imagine being poor, poor Lazarus? I mean, just think about this for just a moment. He just, in chapter 11, was raised from the dead. He just, Jesus just pulled him out of the tomb. He, he, he went from these stinky, rotten rags. He had died once, experienced death. And, and then next chapter, here it, it, he was raised to life just for the Jews to come after him and kill him because he was testifying about Jesus. Can you imagine how he must have felt? Thanks a lot, Jesus. Just bring me back to die again. I mean, couldn't you at least brought me back, you know, with maybe a 20-year-old body? I mean, this is, you know, I would like to experience, you, if you would have seen me in heaven, it was great up there. I had a mansion. I had all kinds of, it was a wonderful banquet up there. We were always, you, Pastor Matt's sermons, they're okay. They'll never be good again. I was in the presence of God. You know, Lori sounds pretty good, but I was there with all the angels. Nothing's ever going to be good here anymore for me. Can you imagine? My body was angelic. You should have seen it. I mean, you, could you imagine how Lazarus must have felt? He comes back only to be threatened with death once more. Think about that. I wrote in the margins of my, my Bible here. I said, it wasn't about Lazarus, but the glory of the Lord. It wasn't about Lazarus, but the glory of the Lord. And then at the bottom where there's another space, because I felt convicted as I'm reading this when I wrote these things down, I wrote this, it's not about me. You might want to write that down there too. It's not, it's not about me. The reason why he was risen back from, given back or taken back from, from death and, and he, he, he came from those burial clothes and, and he came alive once again was not about, had nothing to do with Lazarus. It had everything with do, to do with this. This is Jesus and he is worthy of everything even if I have to die more than once him and I don't know about you but spiritually I have to die over and over and over again 
Because the old me sometimes wants to rise up. It wants to take control. It wants to say, God, why? Why are you doing this to me? And then I have to remember, once again, it's not about me. And die to myself so I can find life in Jesus Christ once more. Have you been there? So we get to verse 12, and this is a significant three words as we begin verse 12. It starts with these three words, the next day. Eric had shared a little bit about this with us, but the next day was the tenth day of Nissan. Nissan uh, spelled kind of like the car, but uh, just one S, not two. And it was a basically kind of a month of a year. It wasn't the Julian calendar that we use now. This is a Jewish calendar. And, and in that calendar, the 10th day of Nisan is extremely important. It, it's, there's things that happened there that, that were amazing. Don't forget that date. We're going to come back to it. But this day, the 10th day of Nisan, a great crowd, it says in verse 12, had come for the festival. And they'd heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. So they took palm branches and they went out to meet him. They were shouting these words, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Jesus found a, a young donkey and he sat on it as is written, Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. I, I imagine in my mind what it must have been like that day. And, and did it, the interesting thing about this 10th day of Pesach, they called it, it was a festival called Pesach, but we, we know it as Passover. They were celebrating a day then already. I mean, there were crowds. They said that normally uh, Jerusalem around that time would have had around 50,000 people as far as their population, but it would swell to probably around about 120,000 people. There wasn't room for everybody to stay, so the hillsides and all the surrounding countryside, it was filled with people that were just kind of camping out and doing their thing. Uh, it was the Jewish Woodstock, you know, you can never imagine that. You know, it's just kind of this, you know, everybody's just everywhere. They were celebrating, though, a day of amazing significance. A day when God had not come to their home. A day where he had not come to destroy. A day where his passing over your house meant that life was going to continue. It's a day when, when a lamb had to be killed, this 10th day of Nisan. A lamb had to be killed. Its blood had to be present on the doorframe. You can look in Exodus chapter 12, and it says there in verse 13 that God said, when I see the blood on the doorframe, I will pass over you. It's a beautiful day. But here's a great thing about what we're reading in Scripture is Jesus is not just passing over now. He's coming through. 
He's coming right down your main street. He's not just passing over today. Today he is coming right where you are. He isn't some ephemeral spirit that's passing by, kind of like the, the northern lights. He's knocking on your door. He's asking to eat with you. He's holding out his hand to you. He's weeping with you. He's healing your greatest need. He was embodying his whole journey, was coming together at this, at this kind of this moment where, where everything just kind of culminated, and we understand even better through it that verse that says, I stand at the door and knock. You see, Jesus was not just passing over. He was present in all ways this day. The cry of Hosanna, we begin to hear. It's an Aramaic saying that, that means save us now. It, it also means free. I, I, I love that, free. You see, because Jesus came to set us free. Back in that day, you know, triumphal entries were common in that ancient world. A conquering hero or a king would return to his city, he would bring the spoils of his battle and the, and the stories of conquest. And this imagery would not be missed on any Greek-speaking audience that was happened to be there on the west or the eastern edge of the Roman Empire. When John says that, that crowd went out to meet him, this is a common expression for cities meeting their triumphant returning king. In the Jewish context, Hosanna was used to greet such incoming triumphant kings. In fact, Jewish culture understood these royal welcomes very well, and they did know it so well that they adopted such forms commonly. And in the midst of this, there was this Jewish political kind of fervor that was happening. The, the palms, the entry, the cries all around us uh, remind us of what happened back earlier in John chapter 6. That was where Jesus fed the 5,000. If you remember, if your memory serves you well, you remember there that people, after he had done this, they said, you know, this is the prophet who has come into the world. And they promptly tried to take him by force and make him a king. And Jesus refused because Jesus was misunderstood then. His mission was misunderstood then. And his mission was being misunderstood in this day as well. And the Lazarus miracle, the testimony about Lazarus, it just fuels this crowd's enthusiasm now into something that's been twisted into and linked to Jerusalem's political aspirations. Uh, Jesus' use of a, a young donkey, you might wonder, what is that about? Well, that was kind of to calm the, the zeal of the crowd, but it also, it also was about this. You see, when you read that, that verse in this scripture where it says... In verse 15, as it was written, do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. That comes from prophecy. It's from Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. It says exactly this there. It says, rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And he did this on the 10th day of Nisan. It's, it has great significance. Let me tell you about the history of this day. On this day, it was the day that Israel crossed the Jordan River and went over to the other side to begin to 
strategize with God how the walls of Jericho were going to come down. Tenth day of Nisan. On this day, the tenth day of Nisan, Ezekiel saw a vision. And it was a vision that was about to come true for you and for me. It was a vision of a new city, a new temple, and a restored kingdom of God. On this day, the tenth day of Nisan, God instructed Moses in Exodus chapter 12 to take an unblemished male lamb of the first year, separate that lamb, watch over it for four days, and oftentimes they would take the lamb home, and and that little lamb would just live with them for four days. They would inspect it, make sure that lamb was without defect, and kind of, you know, kind of let it come in almost as a part of the family. This lamb, though, would be, pa- would be sacrificed on Passover at twilight before the end of Nisan, the 14th day. Its blood would, would be placed on the side post and the upper door post of the house or the place that they found themselves, and, and then it would be eaten. And on this day, the 10th day of Nisan, Jesus fulfilled this pattern of the sacrificed lamb. He entered Jerusalem to great accolations. People were singing, Hosanna to the Son of David. You're wonderful. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And that Hebrew word for Hosanna, Yasha, it means to be, again, open. It means to be wide. It means to be free. It's often, as we said, translated into save now. Save us now. But here's the thing. They had no idea what they were saying when they were saying, save us now. Because they were seeing a victorious king, but Jesus, on his journey, was already seeing the cross. His entry to Jerusalem was followed by a cross-examination by the chief priest. Isn't it interesting that when the chief priests brought him in and they examined him and they questioned him and, and, they, and they went through all the things that he went through, the beatings and so forth, that cross-examination of Jesus lasted for four days. They were trying to determine whether Jesus was the chosen one, the Messiah. Well, I don't want to give too much away, but I'll tell you this, Jesus is our Messiah. Jesus is worthy. Jesus did die and he lives again, and next week we get the great opportunity to just rejoice on Resurrection Sunday for all that he has done. But today I want you to get a picture of Jesus because Jesus right now is saying to the world, every person that has ever lived ever since and every person there in that moment, I am your lamb. I'm your lamb. kids they did such a good job this morning they had their palm branches and they're waving them back and forth and they're they're singing hosanna and beautiful songs of great love for our god but i think when i read this and here they were and they had their palm branches and it says some in some of the different gospels they've thrown some of their clothes down before the lord as he's coming into town and jerusalem on a donkey and they're saying, save us. Will you just do something? It's almost like 
a repeat of chapter 11. Will you just do something? We're sick of the Roman rule. We're sick of being oppressed. We're sick of being under someone's thumb all the time. And Jesus is coming through confident, but in a different type of way. You see, Jesus is seeing the cross when they can only see an earthly crown. I look at this crowd and I I wonder where I would fit if I were in the midst of it. Would I be a fan? I mean, you know, a part of the crowd. Hey, Jesus, do it now. Take them out, you know. Or would I be a follower like Mary? Would I be a fan as long as he was meeting my agenda? Or would I be a follower Fans, they wave their agenda at Jesus like a palm branch. Fans, they will try to tell Jesus what to do. Save us now, Jesus. Followers worship Jesus for who he is. Fans are there to get, are there, excuse me, when they, they realize or they think that there's something that they may get. That's when fans show up. Followers are there when there is something they can give. Fans show up when there is a crowd. Followers show up even when they are all alone. Fans love Jesus when he's nailed, excuse me, when he's hailed a winner. Followers love Jesus broken, bruised, thorns, and splinters. Jesus was on a mission, and mission requires fully devoted Followers, church, not fans. 2007, I remember I was invited, actually Ken Davis is here with us. He's the uh, youth pastor down at the Connection Church of the Nazarene at Castle Rock, and he's visiting with us today. Ken asked me in 2007 while I was there in Castle Rock, would you come with me? He had some tickets to the Rockies game. It just happened to be that the Rockies game where they were, if they won this game, they're in the playoffs. We're standing, if I remember, we're sitting, but mostly standing near the last inning in the, in, the, in the upper, kind of an upper right deck. And, and I mean, it was one of those kind of, almost kind of a nail-biting type of endings to, the, to it. I mean, we were right down to the last, last inning, and they did amazing. I mean, the Rockies were just kicking it, and next thing you know, they had won. And the place erupted. I will never forget it. I mean, the, 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 the floor was literally shaking. I thought, I hope somebody who knew what they were doing was building the, when they built this place because, I mean, it was just moving. The place was rocking. There was, you know, there was a dynamite. There, there was fireworks going off. There was all kinds of crazy stuff. And it, it, was, it was dynamite, but it was but not that type. But anyway, we had a great time. And here's the thing, is the game was over, but we just stood there applauding. I mean, it must have been, it was probably an hour before we ever got back to our, we were just basking in the glow of this amazing win for the Rockies, you know, these underdogs. And here's the crazy thing was two months later, stupid Rockies, we can't win anything. We're never going to get and win the World Series. We're never going to... Oh, Red Sox. You see, a fan, 
Oh, they're at their feet and they're clapping and the fireworks are going off. And oh, they are in it. They're in it for the long haul. Until there's a bad day. Jesus doesn't need fans, church. He needs followers. Do you hear me? And that's what we're seeing here in chapter 12. I, I'm, I'm concerned sometimes, church, when we've boiled Christianity down. And, and, and not all of us have done this, but we, we hear it. We see it sometimes. This past week I read a headline about, I don't know, some guy just does this, I forget what it is, a, a blog or something about preachers and sneakers. And there's preachers that have, you know, $2,000 sneakers. Trust me, these are not anywhere near close to that. Um, and uh, it would be more like preachers and goodwill, you know, for, you know, if they did a blog on me. But, but anyway, but, yeah, which I love goodwill. They have great deals. Um, yeah, that's right. But, uh, but you know, they, they're talking. And, and, and here was this whole controversy surrounding, well, you know, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? What, 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 what am I going to get out of, of this? And I was reminded, you know, times when I remember one place where I went, and every Sunday morning it was a blessing because we were able to have Einstein bagels. Anybody had Einstein bagels? Well, Einstein bagels, yeah, they had uh, just, uh, you know, they have excellent, you know, and we would get this huge spread for free. They would donate it to our church every Sunday morning. Someone just had to come and pick it up. And I remember meeting one individual. He wasn't there real long, but he, he said, you know, I, I, love, I love coming here. He said, you guys have Einstein bagels. And he was, went on to tell me, I couldn't believe that he was actually telling me that, well, this church over here has great coffee. And this church over here on this side of town has, you know, when they do a potluck, home, you better show up. And then your church, man, you got great Einstein bagels. Is that what this is about? If, if, if that's what this is about, if that's all the church is about, let's just close the doors now. But that's not what it is about. When Jesus said he is worthy, when he said he is worthy of all, he, he wasn't talking about what you're going to get out of it. He was talking about how you were willing to give of all of yourself. I've take, taken a couple of cruises and enjoyed them, and we, we've had a good time. But I think there's a reason why cruises are just a short amount of time. But you get on that cruise, and on the Lido deck, you know, you have all the different types of food that you can imagine. And, I mean, there's seafood, and you get on there, and it's just wonderful, and it's great. And there's hot tubs. And if you want to play basketball, there's a basketball court way up higher on the higher deck. There's miniature golf. There's, I mean, there's tennis. It, it's all about your swimming. You know, there's a huge, big screen on that, you know, the front of the deck and the top deck of the ship where you can watch you know movies as you're going floating across the ocean and then they take you different ports and you get to go there and do your thing and, and when you're done with that day you come back to bed and you start all over again and it's like what are we going to do today after about five days of that you're kind of getting tired of it. he's like oh the same old same old but but you know what a cruise ship is always about what am i going to get today what am i going to get today Sometimes I'm afraid that the church has kind of become more like a cruise ship, you know? But when I look at Jesus in chapter 12, I'm seeing a battleship. I'm seeing our Jesus and our Lord on mission. 
He has an eagle eye focus. He already knows what's going to happen. And when people are saying, when he is saying, you know, this is the perfume for my burial that she is pouring on me, he already knew what was going on. Are we fans or are we followers? One church is told, if you don't start taking prayer requests from the altar, excuse me, from the pulpit. <laughs> we, you know, we're, we're it's, it's not going to be good. We may leave. It's going to be, if you, you need to start asking people for what their prayer requests are. I was like, oh my goodness. Okay, and there's nothing wrong. That's wonderful. There's nothing wrong in and of itself. But, you know, I, I, I knew our crowd there where we were at. And, you know, sometimes you open up the floor, you never know what you're going to get. You know, it's a mixed bag. You know, we can laugh at ourselves. I opened up. It's like, okay, you know, these people, I mean, they, for them, if we don't have this, we're not going to. A lady stood up right about over here, right about where Shelby is, but it wasn't Shelby. This a long time ago. A lady stood up, and she, she said, I really, I have a physical need that I need for you to pray over for me. And I was like, okay, that's good. And, and she said, I have hemorrhoids. Like you would not believe. I was like, oh, are you kidding me? Is this really? I, just, I look over at my worship pastor. I was like, hey. he's looking at me. We're just, what? And she went on into graphic detail. I shut that thing down faster than preparation H. I mean, I was just like, you know what? There's no way. No, we're not going down that road. And uh, if you don't do this, though, pastor, if you don't do that, Here's what I really loved is when people say, whatever I can do to help. This past week, I had someone here in our church come up to me, and she said to me, whatever I can do to help. And, and one day, I hope to see us, and within the next couple months, have a I Love My Church banquet. There's some things we need to get done around here. And there's, you know, we need an emergency fund. We need to kind of set up a better first impressions and, and, and do, some, do some work to our facility a little bit. But we, we also need to have some in savings for when, you know, the septic and all that craziness happens. And, and I said, you know what, I would like to do something like that. And she looked at me and I said, I, said, I, I you asked if you could help. I, maybe you would be willing to help, you know, put that together for us. And she said, oh, yes, I would, I would love to do that. Not only that, we'll just take care of it. You don't have to worry about anything. We'll take, we'll take care of all of it. I was like, thank you, Jesus, because I'm telling you what, we have a church where people understand it's not about what you get, it's what you're giving. I thank God for Woodland Life Church. We are on the move in directions that, I mean, only God knows right now. But I'm telling you this, that our community is going to see a major change and a major revival. And it's going to swell from you. Because God is working through you and in you and teaching us we're not here to be just a cruise ship. We're here to be a battleship. We're on mission for Jesus Christ. This is about loving God, amen, and loving others and making disciples together in Jesus' name. And we take that lead and we take that follow from Jesus Christ himself. 
He didn't come here to be served. It says in Philippians chapter 2, you can begin, I believe, in verse 2, but it says there that he humbled himself. He did not see equality with God, something to be used as his advantage. Oh, can you imagine that in our day and age? Everything's got to be equal. Everything's got to be perfectly even. Even Jesus taught us what it meant to what it meant to use privilege in the way that it should be used. You want to understand something? Are you a privileged person? Yes, I am. I'm privileged because I'm a child of the king. And you know what? When I have privilege, the reason why I have privilege is to serve. Not to hoard. It's to give. Oh, that's a whole other sermon. That's coming. Yeah. But anyway, here we go. Jesus, as we look into the face of this holy week, he is on a mission. And the question for you and me as we close today, are you a fan? Are you just waving the, are you a follower? I believe this is a group made up of followers. I'm I'm here because I believe this is a group made up of followers. And I want you to know that as we, this week, celebrate together, we're going to come to our Good Friday service. We have our, our, our prayer service on Wednesday nights. We've had good, good you know, attendance on our prayer service. Thankful for that. By the way, if you're not able to make it but you want to put a prayer out there for us to pray for, you can go to our website on the top tab. You'll see a tab that says prayer. Click it. You can put your prayer request there. If you want to remain anonymous, just don't put your name in there. But we will be praying for you on Wednesday nights at 6.30. And for those of you who are watching us online, that's a great way for you to be able to be a part if you can't be here as well. And so with that being said, on Friday, though, on Good Friday, it's going to be a time of reflection here in our midst. We're going to take, we just want to experience with Jesus this part of the journey where it says he was crushed for our iniquities. And then on Sunday, we're going to have an amazing celebration where we rejoice because of resurrection life that is alive in our Lord Jesus Christ. It's going to be a wonderful week as we approach, but as you are standing here today, maybe sitting in your chair, I want you to just take it in. My fan... Am I on the sidelines saying, you know what, that could have been, we could have done a lot for that. Or am I willing to just drop it all, pour my all out on the feet of Jesus? Because he's putting it all on the line for you and for me. I'd like to ask our worship team to come forward if they would, just as we close today. I thank you for your attention. You've given detail to the word today. But as we sing this final song, I, I don't know how God may be moving, and, and I don't want to take any liberties of, of thinking that I know everything that he's been sharing and placing on your heart, but I, I do believe that God is actively speaking right now. And so today, I want you to understand that these altars are open. If you want to come forward, if you would like to just uh, take some time for prayer. If you would just like to be like, kind of like David, King David, where he said, you know, search my heart, O Lord. Search my heart. I, I invite you to come forward. If you, this 
day would like to just pray, you know, God, I am seeing you move in ways. How do you want to use me? Come on forward. You can be praying right here. You can pray there in your seats. I know that. But today, I want to ask as we come to a close, let the Lord speak to you and follow no matter the cost. Follow. Let's stand together and sing this final song.
is worthy, amen? He's worthy of all glory, of all honor, all praise. He's worthy of all that we have, all that we possess, everything that we can give. Our Lord Jesus is worthy. When we wave the palm branches, we're not doing it as a fan, we're doing it as a follower. It's been good to be in the presence of our God today. I'm so thankful for each one of you. You are beautiful, Woodland Life Church. Let anyone tell you anything different. God loves you. He has a plan for you. He has a purpose. And as you are stepping through each day, I want you to walk in the confidence of this that God is with you. You don't journey alone. Jesus did that for us so that we wouldn't have to. Amen. Amen. Let's close in a word of prayer. God, today we revealing yourself once again in your word to us. We pray, God, that as we are pondering your, your, your words, your thoughts, your heart uh, throughout this week, I pray, Lord, that we this week will not just, uh, we'll not just resolve to be good, but Lord, that we'll resolve to be transformed. I pray these things, God, in your name, for your glory, regardless of what that means to me and for anyone that may you be glorified, we pray this day and throughout this week. And together, God's people say, amen, amen. I'm so glad you're here this week. If you'd like to speak with me, I'll be over here on my left. Love to get to know you if this is your first Sunday as well. God bless you. You're dismissed.